Book Eleven, Chapter Four of the League of the Scarlet Pimpernel. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The League of the Scarlet Pimpernel by Baroness Ortsy. Book Eleven, A Battle of Wits, Chapter Four. Citizen Rateau, if he thought about the matter at all, must indeed have been vastly surprised at the unwanted amiability or indifference of Sergeant Ribot, who was in command at the gate of Gentile. Ribot only threw a very perfunctory glance at the greasy permit which Rateau presented to him, and when he put the usual query, What's in that parcel? And Rateau gave the reply, Two heads of cabbage and a bunch of carrots. Ribot merely poked one of his fingers into the bundle, felt that a cabbage leaf did effectually lie on the top, and thereupon gave the formal order, Pass on, citizen, in the name of the Republic, without any hesitation. Tournefort, who had watched the brief little incident from behind the window of a neighboring cabaret, could not help but chuckle to himself. Never had he seen game walk more readily into a trap. Rateau, after he had passed the barrier, appeared undecided which way he would go. He looked with obvious longing toward the cabaret, behind which the keenest agent on the staff of the Committee of Public Safety was even now ensconced, but seemingly a halt within those hospitable doors did not form part of his program, and a moment or two later he turned sharply on his heel and strode rapidly down the Rue de la Orsine. Tournefort allowed him a fair start, and then made ready to follow. Just as he was stepping out of the cabaret, he spied Chauvelin and Gourdon coming through the gates, they, too, had apparently made a brief halt inside the guardroom, where, as at most of the gates, a store of various disguises was always kept ready for the use of the numerous sleuth-hounds employed by the Committee of Public Safety. Here the two men had exchanged their official garments for suits of sombre cloth, which gave them the appearance of a couple of humble bourgeois going quietly about their business. Tournefort had donned an old blouse, tattered stockings, and shoes down at heel, with his hands buried in his breeches' pockets, he, too, turned into the long, narrow Rue de l'Orsine, which, after a sharp curve, abuts on the Rue Mofetard. Rateau was walking rapidly, taking big strides with his long legs. Tournefort, now sauntering in the gutter in the middle of the road, now darting in and out of open doorways, kept his quarry well in sight. Chauvelin and Gourdon lagged some little way behind. It was still raining, but not heavily, a thin drizzle, which penetrated almost to the marrow. Not many passers-by haunted this forlorn quarter of old Paris. To right and left, tall houses almost obscured the last, quickly fading light of the grey September day. At the bottom of the Rue Mouffetard, Rateau came once more to a halt. A network of narrow streets radiated from this centre. He looked all round him, and also behind. It was difficult to know whether he had a sudden suspicion that he was being followed. Certain it is that, after a very brief moment of hesitation, he plunged suddenly into the narrow Rue Contrescarpe and disappeared from view. Tournefort was after him in a trice. When he reached the corner of the street, he saw Rateau, at the further end of it, take a sudden sharp turn to the right, but not before he had very obviously spied his pursuer, for at that moment his entire demeanor changed. An air of furtive anxiety was expressed in his whole attitude. 
Even at that distance, Tournefort could see him clutching his bulky parcel close to his chest. After that, the pursuit became closer and hotter. Rateau was in and out of that tight network of streets which cluster around the Place du Fourci, intent, apparently, on throwing his pursuers off the scent. For after a while he was running round and round in a circle, now up the Rue des Proux, then to the right and to the right again, back in the Place des Fourci, then straight across it once more to the Rue Contrescarpe, where he presently disappeared so completely from view that Tournefort thought that the earth must have swallowed him up. Tournefort was a man capable of great physical exertion. His calling often made heavy demands upon his powers of endurance, but never before had he grappled with so strenuous a task. Puffing and panting, now running at top speed, anon brought to a halt by the doubling-up tactics of his quarry, his great difficulty was the fact that citizen Chauvelin did not wish the man Rateau to be apprehended, did not wish him to know that he was being pursued, and Tournefort had need of all his wits to keep well under the shadows of any projecting wall or under cover of open doorways, which were conveniently in the way, and all the while not to lose sight of that consumptive giant, who seemed to be playing some intricate game which well-nigh exhausted the strength of citizen Tournefort. What he could not make out was what had happened to Chauvelin and to Gourdon. They had been less than three hundred metres behind him, when first this wild chase in and out of the Rue Contrescarpe had begun. Now, when their presence was most needed, they seemed to have lost track both of him, Tournefort, and of the very elusive quarry. To make matters more complicated, the shades of evening were drawing in very fast, and these narrow streets of the Faubourg were very sparsely lighted. Just at this moment, Tournefort had once more caught sight of Rateau, striding leisurely this time up the street. The worthy agent quickly took refuge under a doorway and was mopping his streaming forehead, glad of this brief respite in the mad chase, when that awful churchyard cough suddenly sounded so close to him that he gave a great jump and well-nigh betrayed his presence then and there. He had only just time to withdraw further still into the angle of the doorway when Rateau passed by. Tournefort peeped out of his hiding-place, and for the space of a dozen heartbeats or so remained there quite still watching that broad back and those long limbs slowly moving through the gathering gloom. The next instant he perceived Chauvelin standing at the end of the street. Rateau saw him too, came face to face with him, in fact, and must have known who he was, for, without an instant's hesitation, and just like a hunted creature at bay, he turned sharply on his heel, and then ran back down the street as hard as he could tear. He passed close to within half a meter of Tournefort, and as he flew past, he hit out with his left fist so vigorously that the worthy agent of the Committee of Public Safety, caught on the nose by the blow, staggered and measured his length upon the flagged floor below. The next moment Chauvelin had come by. Tournefort, struggling to his feet, called to him, panting. Did you see him? Which way did he go? Up the Rue Bordet. After him, citizen, replied Chauvelin grimly, between his teeth. Together the two men continued the chase, guided through the intricate mazes of the streets by their fleeing quarry. They had Rateau well in sight, and the latter could no longer continue his former tactics with success, now that two experienced sleuth-hounds were on his track. At a given moment he was caught between the two of them, 
Tournefort was advancing cautiously up the Rue Bordet. Chauvelin, equally stealthily, was coming down the same street, and Rateau, once more walking quite leisurely, was at an equal distance between the two. End of Book 11, Chapter 4